Welcome to Conversations Live. For more than a decade, we've brought you the best in books, entertainment, celebrity interviews, and current events. When the movers and shakers of the world have something to say to you, they say it to us first. Here's your host, Cyrus Webb. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations Live. I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Glad you all could join us once again. For a radio audience tuning in at WYAD 94.1 FM and WYADonline.com, we're glad that you all can be with us. Also, tuning in through our online affiliates around the world, we're glad you all could join us as well. I was just saying to our next guest, I really enjoyed her novel, and I think you guys will as well. We're excited to welcome author Akimi C. Broadcast to our broadcast today. We're going to talk to Akimi not only about the writing of her book, The Brill Peel, but what it's been like for her to be able to take a very fascinating what-is scenario and to be able to bring it into our time and to be able to share these characters with all of us. If you guys are just now finding out about the book, it's published by one of my favorite publishers, She Writes Press. We'll let you guys know how to get your own copy of it. Akimi, thank you again for the time. Really do appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Cyrus. Hey, glad to do it. So, so much to talk about when it comes to the Brill Pill. We're going to get into that. But I want to talk about this experience for you. The book literally came out this month. What is it been like for you to see the way that people are responding to it? Um, it's exciting, and it's, you know, I'm a little nervous about it, too. Um, and it's still all very new. Um, I'm enjoying it so far, and a lot of friends and family have just shown so much support that that's been a really great part of the process. Awesome. Well, I think the thing that struck me when I was first pitched the book, Kimmy, was that – and I read a lot of books, and I have for years now, but I love these scenarios that kind of make us think about the what if, as I mentioned in my introduction, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what if there was this you know, this pill that was able to do that? What if there was this group that wanted to keep this all for themselves? You know, because that fits so much into how we look at the world anyway, the distrust we have sometimes about, yeah. about people <laughs> and things. What what was it like for you to turn a very interesting what if into now a novel that people around the world can read? Um, it was it was a really interesting process, and I think a lot of it stemmed from my own experience studying science, and then actually while I was writing it, my husband was doing his PhD. Um, so the what if part of it, I guess, is I wanted to keep it close to something that people could imagine happening. Uh, just to be clear, I don't think that the science is really in our near future. In the book, it's pretty far-fetched, but it's set in a really, in like a lab-based scenario where you can imagine sort of the everyday of scientists' lives sort of running away with something, and that is something that I think could happen. Well, I think, you know, I'm so glad you said that, uh, Kimmy, but I think people will read it and, and still think, yeah, this is probably happening, right? <laughs> We're happening right now. We just don't know about it yet. But 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 I think that's part of the fun of it though, right? That you know, that you can write something because there let's let's be real here. The reason why a book like this appeals to so many people, even though I'm not a conspiracy theorist myself or any of that, we we're intrigued by the things we don't know, right? And we're intrigued by the idea of someone keeping something or having something um, that that we don't have access to. I think we see it in movies a lot of times as well. What about yourself? You mentioned, of course, some of the real world, of course, you know, scenarios for yourself as far as you know your own personal interest. But what was it like for you to kind of think about the reasons why people feel the way they feel about science, uh, but also about those those in charge? Um, so I think really at this very moment, we're kind of place where we're becoming more and more aware of this sort of 
thing that's happening in the backdrop behind us. And a lot of the reason for that is actually the tech industry, I think. Yeah. So we, we've seen this huge industry that, you know, it's moving so quickly and people are having a little bit of trouble regulating it because the people who are regulating it aren't the same people who are building it. And so they don't necessarily understand all of the ins and outs. And a few people have compared the book to AI in that way where it's this incredibly powerful powerful tool that could do so many amazing, great things, but also could do so many terrible things. And it's sort of this double-edged sword. Um, and I think that happens in medical science a lot also, um, even if we don't necessarily see it in our daily lives right away. And like CRISPR, for instance, like gene editing is one of those tools where it has the possibility to create so many amazing, you know, medicines and things like that but at the same time you know it could be used for dangerous things as well so it's this concept that these just human people who you know are just like you and me in many ways and can make mistakes have these powerful tools and the people overseeing them aren't necessarily understanding how they're used or able to understand what they're doing and make the proper regulations for it Okay, you just brought up one of the points that really stood out to me, and it's interesting to hear you say about people compared it to AI. I, my whole thing about the AI conversation that I think is an interesting parallel with the Brill Peel is that it all begins with man. And I love the fact that you do show that when it comes to man, as we see in the real world, quote-unquote, that there will be those who will always have their own agenda, right? And there will be also be those who try to do what they perceive to be the right thing. What was it like for you to show that, that even in the middle of these discoveries, these great possibilities and the implications, that there were people who were willing to stand up to do what was right? Um, so, yeah, in the, in the story, the main character, I think this is what you're asking, <laughs> he he kind of sees his goals as altruistic throughout, you know, most of the book. He's, he wants to, he's a medical scientist. He's doing research to help patients and his work is, you know, it's in this dangerous area where, you know, things could go either way depending on what happens, but he always yeah. wants to help people. That's his goal. And he kind of, he loses sight of it over time and his emotions affect him. So various things happen along the way in his personal life that affect yep. his decisions. And, you know, that happens to all of us. That's a very human thing where we're in a certain mood or we're in a certain, you know, something bad happens, something good happens. It changes the way we act in a certain day. But because of his position of power, his, you know, respected academic position, his decisions then affect other people. So that's the main difference. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it goes to, you know, the whole thing about agenda, right? I think that that becomes a big thing as well. Uh, and I think, too, that that's where I think readers will appreciate this book, uh, Kimmy, because I think it allows us to see that sometimes knowing the right thing is not enough. We have to be willing to do the right thing and then even figuring out what that right thing is. Um, yeah. And who is it for, I think, too. I'm going to step back from the Brio Pill for just a second and talk a little bit more about you and this writing journey. When did you first realize, Akimi, that writing was something that you were interested in? Um, so actually it wasn't right away, and I didn't study literature or creative writing in school. 
Um, it was I studied geochemistry, and then <laughs> <laughs> very different. And then I I worked in a lab actually in my senior year of college, and I I loved studying science, but I didn't want to spend my life in academia, and that's you know, part of why I wanted to write this book was just because the culture was very interesting, but it's very competitive, and I just decided that wasn't how I wanted to spend my life. Um, so after that, I, I did a little bit of uh, environmental engineering, and I didn't end up suiting me. Um, and then I spent some time teaching science and working in environmental nonprofits, um, just kind of bouncing around and trying to figure out what was next. And I actually, I had a friend who had studied English and was in a similar place trying to figure out, you know, what was next. Um, you could call it a quarter life crisis, I guess. Um, and he suggested just as a sort of mental practice to write a page a week and send it to each other. And we didn't actually end up doing this very many times, but the first page that I wrote turned into the first manuscript that I wrote. So. Mm. Wow. So for you then to now get to this place, right, at where you are, as I mentioned, and I know it, I remember the first time I was promoting my first book and I, and people would talk about, you know, where they had gotten it. And I thought, wow, it's there. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, it didn't seem yeah. real, even though you know it's out, you know, it, it doesn't seem real. Yeah. Did you have those pinch me moments too when, I mean, of course, this is just one of many things you're doing in promotion of the book, but did you have those moments yourself too that, wow, this thing that I wrote is, people are reading it? Absolutely. I'm, I'm still in that moment where it hasn't really sunk in yet. So it is. I've been trying to go into bookstores and see, and it's very strange to see it sitting on the shelf. So. Yeah, yeah, what a cool thing. I want to say for those who are just tuning in, it's on the radio side or online, you're listening to Conversations Live. We're excited to welcome author Akemi C. Brodsky to our broadcast today. Akemi is celebrating her book. It's called The Brill Peel. It's out now wherever you buy your books. Of course, our partner is Amazon.com, but you can get it through your favorite local bookstore as well. We're going to also let you guys know how to stay connected with Akemi. So, Akemi, with the rest of this then, I mean, everything now is a thing for you now as a published author, right? I mean, there's the social media. There's talking to strangers like myself, who are asking you all kinds of questions, <laughs> you know, so all of that is kind of a part of this. What has that been like for you to navigate? Does it feel different now in like even approaching social media now as a published author? Does it feel different to know now you're making connection with readers and people are finding out about you? Um, yeah, it is. Um, social media is it's something that I've used a little bit just sort of personally with friends and family and now I'm you know, I have a public account now and I'm trying to, you know, use it to the best of my ability, but it is, yeah. it's a really different process from any other type of work where you feel sort of pressure to be producing content and things like that, which I'm trying to find an, a balance that works for me where I can let people know a little bit about my writing and my life, but not let it take a big chunk out of my time so that I can focus on the things that are important. Um, right. But it's a very, it's a hard line to walk. Yeah, I agree. I tell, look, I tell people it almost becomes its own job. 
uh, these days, I mean, especially in the world we live in today. But I wanted to ask you the other side of that. She Writes Press, we've interviewed dozens of their authors on this broadcast over the years. I really enjoy the work they've been able to produce, the authors. You are now a part of this family of authors. How does that feel to have that type of support? I saw some of the blurbs that you've gotten. What has that been like for you to have, Akimi, other authors appreciating your work? Um, that has been really amazing. So on the She Writes Press side, it's such an incredible thing that they've created where you have this, you know, every season 50 authors, around 50 authors published, and they give everyone each other's contact deals, uh, details and so that you can reach out. And we have, like, monthly Zoom meetings, and it's just so nice to have that support because I've heard of a lot of traditionally published authors who, you know, they don't, connect you with anyone and you kind of feel like you're on your own throughout the process. Um, And I think that would be really difficult. Um, On the side of reaching out for blurbs, that was one of the most difficult things that I did throughout the whole process because I don't know any authors personally. Um, And so I kind of reached out cold to a ton of different people and it turned out to be an incredibly rewarding experience. Um, People, even if they didn't have the time to read the book, were very kind and almost everyone replied to me and I ended up with a handful of blurbs I was very happy with, and I was just very overwhelmed with other authors and their response to this. I mean, everyone's been through the same process, so I think they understand, but, you know, they they don't have any obligation to read it and blurb it, and they were very nice about it, so that was a great experience. So, uh, and I appreciate you giving that kind of as a backdrop to this conversation. Akimi, I want to go back to the Braille Peel and ask you a, a couple of questions there because as we kind of now kind of know more about what this journey has been like for you, did you go into this book knowing everything? And I ask that question, I think, um, because a lot of times I've spoken with authors who have a pretty clear idea of the story they want to write. Um, However, others find it doesn't always happen that way. The characters start talking to them and take them in another direction. I guess my real question is, is the book that we're reading today, is this the book you thought you'd be writing? When I started the book, I actually, I had no idea what was going to happen. I kind of, I knew I wanted to set it in the lab. I kind of had the main character and then he really drives the story. And I really, you know, as I wrote it, it, grew from there and it's actually in four parts and by the time I got to the end of the third part I kind of hit a wall and I I had you know gotten up to this point in the plot and then I had no idea what was going to happen at all and I thought it might be the end but when I got there it didn't feel right like that was the end of the story and so I put it down for like six months and then picked it up again and was able to finish it in a way that I was really happy with um but yeah so it, it was a very I didn't know what was going to happen as I wrote it, and it kind of, the story followed itself out, I guess. Yeah. Well, that leads us to this question then, and you may not be able to tell me, but I have to ask it anyway. Did you feel as though the story was over at the end, or are these characters you would like to see what happens next for them? Um, for me, like, that, the end of the book is will be the end of this story. I think the way that it ends, you, you can definitely imagine wondering what happens next to the characters, but I think part of the story is this, because it's, as we were talking about earlier, it kind of has this parallel to the world we're living in now, and we don't know what's going to happen, and that's part of what we're dealing with. So I think that's how I wanted it to end also, if that makes sense without giving anything away. Yeah, yeah. 
Definitely, definitely. And I think it, it keeps people wondering, too. And again, adding to the realism for sure. Uh, Kimmy, congratulations to you again on the Braille Pill. I really enjoyed the read and glad to have you on with us. Again, everyone, uh, Kimmy Sebrowski has been our guest. Her book is called The Braille Pill. Again, it's out now. You definitely want to add this to your reading list. Again, published from She Writes Press. Uh, Kimmy, how can our audience stay connected with you? Um, the easiest way for me is I just have an Instagram account. It's just at Akemi Sebrodsky, and that's where I put most of my updates. And I also have a website, just akemisebrodsky.com. Okay. And we'll make sure that we link that up as well. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Akemi. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, I have a contact page, so that's the easiest way to be in touch. Okay. Well, we'll make sure that we link that up for you. Really appreciate your time and looking forward to having you back on the broadcast again. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was very fun. Well, thank you. I'm glad to hear that. And we thank your audience for tuning in to another great segment of Conversations Live. Until next time, I'm your host, Cyrus Webb, saying, as always, enjoy your day, enjoy your life, enjoy your world. Thank you all for choosing Conversations Live, and let's go make today amazing. Take care.